The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Truly is he truly is uh, life, and and to do that, I want to read with for you. Our, our sermon text for today, which is from Romans chapter 5. So if you're at home, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. And we're going to read verses, just verses 12 to 17. And what I'm hoping to do then, and we're on page 9 in your bulletins. What I'm hoping to do then is, is open up for you in a, in a new way. What is, what is, it's like New York cheesecake. Like this is, this is dense. This is, this is wonderful teaching from Paul, but it's also difficult to understand. So it's my prayer that, that when we get done, you are going to see just how much abundant life we have in Christ. So here we go. This is page 9. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sin, to be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command as as Adam did. Who is the pattern of the one to come? But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is the word of the Lord. Death is contagious. You know that. I want to tell you about Mary Malin. You know her by her another name. I'm going to tell you what it is in just a second. Mary Malin. She was an Irish-born cook here in New York City around the, the turn of the last century. And her favorite dish, her, her best dish, was peach ice cream. She made the best peach ice cream, and she actually would cater events to the immigrant community uh, in Manhattan. And she would always make up her her peach ice cream. She would would take the peaches and and the milk and the sugar and, you know, all all the ingredients that you need for, for good peach ice cream, and then she would take a pinch of what we now call salmonella. 
typhoid. And without knowing it, it would end up in the peach ice cream. And they would eat it and die. And she would do this, like, she would do this, like, a lot, so much so that, that, that she caused an epidemic, we've had too many of those lately, in New York City. But she wouldn't stop, she, she just kept mixing up the, the peach ice cream, so that New York City, she dem- demonstrated no symptoms, by the way, no cough, no nasal bleeding, nothing like that. New York City packed her away and quarantined her for 26 years in the middle of the East River, and they left her there. You know what we call her today? Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary. One of the most contagious people that the world has ever seen, Typhoid Mary, death is contagious, see? But really, I'm telling you this story not so that you understand typhoid Mary, but that you understand Adam. Old Adam. If you want to talk about contagious people, if you want to talk about patient zero, it's Adam. Listen to what Paul says right here. And we talk about Adam. He says, sin entered the world. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned. And it started with Adam's rebellion in the garden. I mean, Adam had it good. We read it. He had it plush. He had it nice. He wasn't starving in any way. But he reached out and took the forbidden fruit. And he fell and he infected us all. Theologians, they give it a name. Many names. Call it original sin. Call it inherited sin. Call it hereditary sin. Call it what you want. But the end result is always the same. A worldwide cosmic impact that started a vicious cycle that comes all the way down to us today. Sin and then death. Sin and then death. Sin. And then death. Typhoid Mary, old Adam. Now the, the rest of the Bible then goes on to try to unpack this for us. And the book of Leviticus is, is, is such a stunning book and, and such, a, such a, a wild book. So many laws, right? But the book of Leviticus helps us to unspool all of the Bible's message about how contagious death is. Have you ever thought about this before? That holiness is not contagious. Not in Leviticus. Like, like if, if a priest would go up to a leper and touch him, his holiness did not spread to the leper. It was the reverse. The leprous skin would spread to the priest. Or, or if a clean person would walk into a house with mildew, Leviticus talks about this. It's not that, that the holy person would spread his holiness all over the house and it would suddenly become clean. It was the opposite. The uncleanliness would spread to the holy person. You see, death, it always moves that way, like an electric current. Death, uncleanness, sin, it moves out, but holiness doesn't spread. That's how it works. Death 
is contagious. And, and, and the Bible is trying to push this all into our hearts. I mean, we know this. We know this theologically. We know this academically. We know this like the, like the cold, hard words that Paul has for us this morning. And we even know it. We even know it emotionally and personally. We see death's impacts. And some of us, we, we look at, we look at the, the, the wrinkles of our mom's face. And it makes our heart sad. Because we know. Or, or when a pregnancy is early on, the, the parents, you know, they, they fret a little bit. Like, we're, we could lose this baby because we know it. Right? It's personal. There's a number of years ago where, where this, this came home and uh, to me in a very real way. Even all creation suffers this, this passing on of, of the contagiousness of death because of what Adam did. I remember, I remember leaving my dog that night. His name was Cooper. I've probably told you this story before. He suffered from grand mal seizures and he would lose he would lose control of his bowel, so at night we put him in his kennel. And one day I came downstairs, it was a Sunday, and he was gone. The seizures had finally took him. We did everything that we could for him. And I remember taking him, I took him, his body was rigid, and I took him to the veterinary. Because I couldn't, you know this, did you know this? You can throw your pet's body away in the garbage. I couldn't do it though. Here in New York City. You can do that though. So I went to the veterinarian. I paid him. I paid him to take Cooper. He probably just put it in the garbage then. I don't know. And as I swiped the credit card to pay for them to take Cooper's body away, my eyes were blurred. I'm not too much of a man to admit that to you. Because death is personal. It's not just, it's not just theological. It, 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 it's, it's emotional. It's real. This cycle of sin and death, sin and death, sin and death, we get it all too, too well. That's what Paul is trying to show us this morning. But then he goes on to say something shocking. Actually, it's, it's just something surprising. He says, like, like typhoid Mary, like old Adam, he says, look at, look at the end. Look at the end of verse 14. He says, Jesus is like that. Say, what? As Adam did, who is a pattern of the one to come. He says, Jesus is like that. No, no, not that, that he's like typhoid Mary's mixing up, you know, the ice cream and the peaches with a pinch of salmonella. Not like that. Not like Adam who, who passed on his sin and death and, and the righteous condemnation and the deserved condemnation that it brought on us. But he, he's like Adam in this way. That what he would do would shake the world. That what he would do would have, would have a cosmic impact. That what he would do would not only be theological in nature. 
a cold hard fact, but would be utterly personal, saving, and emotional. That's what Paul said. But then it's, he continues, and it's as if he, he contradicts himself on, uh, right, right from the top. And he continues on in verse 15. He says, but the gift is not like the, tre- the trespass. In other words, he's like Adam, but he's really not. He's actually very different in two key ways. And this is it. He continues, read along with me. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man... How much more to God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Now let me see if we can unpack this together. Paul is saying that Adam's one act of disobedience was sufficient. Barely enough. Enough to bring sin and death into all of our lives. So it's almost like you go to the corner store here in New York City, if we could illustrate it this way. And, and all you want is a pack of gum. I remember when a pack of gum was like 25 cents. That's how old I am now. And you could, you could take out a dollar bill. Let's, I don't even know how much they are anymore. Let's say they're a dollar. And you have a dollar 25 in your pocket because you know that New York State has quite a bit of tax. And you put the stick of gum on there, and the guy rings it up, and he says, that'll be $1.24. And you think, oh good, I have sufficient amount of money, barely enough, to pay for a stick of gum. And you toss the one cent in as a tip, right? Sufficient, barely enough. Adam's like that. Not Jesus. Oh no. <laughs> you see what he, what he says? He says, he uses like economic terms, like mathematical terms. He says, how much more? And then he says, it overflows. So, so that, would be, that would be like Jesus brings so much life and redemption into your life that when you go down to the corner store and you're buying that pack of gum, right? And the guy says, that's going to be $1.24. And you pull out of your pocket to pay for it a thousand dollar bill. And the guy says, that's way too much. You see it? You see it? That is how much life that we have in Christ. How much more? It overflows more than enough. It's a thousand dollar bill when all you got to pay is a buck twenty-four. And then Paul keeps going on. This is what he says. Let's see if we can track his argument. Christ is different than Adam in another way. Verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Just once Adam rebelled. Just once. He went against God's will. He fell against our great enemy. And God could respond in this way. 
He could have said, I'm going to pay for that one sin. I'm going to make that one sin right. I'm going to take care of original sin, but the rest is all up to you. He could have done that. That would have been, that would have been equality between, between Adam and the second Adam, between old Adam and Jesus Christ. But, but what happens in Jesus Christ is that he not only takes care of that one big sin, but he takes care of all the rest of them as well. Original sin, actual sin, past sin, present sin, future sin. It's all taken care of by the life and death of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he's saying. Adam and Jesus are the same, but they are oh so different. Adam was sufficient. Jesus overflows. Adam sinned once and brought death. Jesus takes care of the many, many sins. This is what I'm trying to show you. And this is what Paul is trying to show you too. We have this deep conviction about, about things. And I don't even know if we, we notice this, but we do. We have a certainty about death. We even have a phrase, don't we? Death is as certain as... Yeah. Death and taxes. But I want you, we have to realize this one thing. First of all, we may not die. <coughs> Jesus might come back again. So there is a greater certainty in our lives than even death and taxes. You know what it is? Life. Life in Jesus' name. What Paul is trying to do is he's trying to get you more certain than you are that you're going to die. He wants you to be more certain that you will actually live. He's trying to show you that, that what Adam did, well, that's one thing, but what Jesus did is so much abundantly more than that. How can you doubt that you'll live? When Jesus, God's own son, poured out his precious Blood, making a payment that was so infinite that nothing you do can separate you from God. How can you doubt life? How can you doubt life when, 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 Jesus, when Adam, he did that one big sin, but Jesus, Jesus, he takes care of all of them. Like, Jesus, look, we saw him. Adam had it good, he had it plush, he had it comfortable. Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights, he fasts in the desert. He doesn't eat a darn thing. And then the enemy comes up to him and tempts him with good temptations. And he wins. It's inevitable, isn't it? Life is inevitable. Or think about it this way. Think about it this way. We, we talked about this scripturally earlier, how the Bible tries to push this truth that death is contagious in, into our lives. The Bible also has this message, that life is contagious Jesus' life is contagious. You know, he was the only guy in the history of the world that when he came in contact with unclean things, what happened? The current reversed, didn't it? 
So, so lepers come close to him, and what happens? They're cured. Un- uncleanness comes close to him. The current flows out of him, and he fixes it. Right? Dead people come close to him. It should have made him unclean, but what happens? The current goes out of him, life goes out of him, and they rise. What I'm trying to show to you is that in Jesus, there is infinite, contagious, abundant life that flows into you whenever we come into contact with Him. Jesus is our everything. He is what is truly, truly life. And that's why, if we could close in this way, I said before, Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. This is why we think that this challenge is so important for your life. Don't we want to stay connected to him in every way that we can? I invite you to to challenge yourself to grow in what, what truly is life. Participate in this challenge. Really, look, look at your life. Think about how, how can I grow in my walk with Jesus? How can I grow in, in clinging into what is truly life instead of what is death? And I think, actually I know, that when we do so, we will be so supremely blessed.